Bilbo and the dwarves finally reach the Lonely Mountain. But are they able to find the secret door and enter the mountain without Smog the dragon knowing? This is Lore of the Rings, episode number 106. Today we take an in-depth exploration into chapter 11, On the Doorstep of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. Earlier foreshadowing gets fulfilled, and we delve into the story's pivotal catastrophe, employing a touch of math to unravel the mystery. Imagine yourself standing at the threshold of a mysterious door, with the allure of hidden treasures and the thrill of encountering a dragon. Just as a comforting bite of lambas bread or a sip of coffee would encourage your spirit, you have the power to encourage the Lore of the Rings podcast. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash L-O-T-R podcast to show your appreciation or help us achieve our goals by contributing to our wishlist items. Your generosity will help us reach new heights, including our goal of acquiring a new microphone. Every contribution, no matter the size, makes a remarkable impact. Thank you for being an integral part of our epic journey through Middle-earth. Now, let the wandering begin. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's check the map. It is the third age of Middle-earth. Evil is brewing in the east, and Gandalf the wizard has sent Thorin Oakenshield, an exiled dwarf prince, to reclaim the ancient dwarf kingdom of Erebor at the Lonely Mountain, from the dragon smog. Gandalf has also sent Bilbo Baggins, a simple hobbit from the Shire, to help the dwarves on their quest. Through dark journeys, under mountains, and many perils, Bilbo and the dwarves approach the mountain, after receiving a warm welcome from the people of Lake Town. Just a reminder, we won't touch on every event or detail in the chapter, but we will dive deep on a couple of themes. If I don't touch on something you really care about or have a question about, drop me a line at lordoftheringspodcast at gmail.com. First off, this chapter to me represents the beginning of the end, and a big contributor to that thinking is how certain phrases or events portrayed in this chapter fulfill foreshadowing and parallel phrases from the first chapter of The Hobbit. Perhaps the most notable example is the chapter title itself, On the Doorstep. The secret door didn't actually have a doorstep, but that is what they called the small grassy alcove in front of where they suspect the secret door to be. They called it that, quote, in fun, remembering Bilbo's words long ago at the unexpected party in his hobbit hole. Let's go back to those words and see what it was that Bilbo had to say way back in chapter 1. The conversation is towards the end of the chapter when Thorne and the dwarves are discussing their plans, and they feel rather hopeless. Bilbo surprisingly gives the suggestion that the dwarves should go east and, quote, if you sit on the doorstep long enough, I dare say you will think of something. Bilbo's guess is half right. As they sit on the doorstep thinking, it's actually Bilbo who thinks of the something to do. More on that in a moment. 
Another interesting parallel, as the company of dwarves meet up with the few men who had ridden on ponies with supplies, these men refuse to stay even one night so close to the mountain. The narrator provides a little commentary, quote, It was easier to believe in the dragon, and less easy to believe in Thorin in these wild parts. Being so close to the mountain, staying in the land that Smog had left desolate, weighs heavily on the men. Contrast that feeling to this subtle, unassuming line from chapter 1. As Gandalf attempts to persuade the dwarves to take Bilbo as a burglar on the quest, he says, in part, quote, Dragons are comfortably far off, and therefore legendary. Yes, far away in the western regions of Middle-earth, dragons were so distant, they were practically legendary. Not so on the mountain slopes, where Bilbo, who has never met a dragon, is learning more about this new creature from the lands that surround his habitation. Quote, there was a little grass, and before long, neither bush nor tree, and only broken and blackened stumps, the speak of ones long vanished. They were come to the desolation of the dragon. And here's another parallel. Before Thorin is presented with the map and key to the secret door, he could think of no better plan than to approach the front gate as, quote, quiet and as careful as we could though he does admit that, quote, none of us liked the idea of the front gate. Even so, and even with a map and key to a secret entrance, when Thorin finally does arrive all the way at the mountain in the east, he still sticks with his original plan, quote, before stepping out to search for the hidden door, Thorin sent out a scouting expedition to spy out the land, where the front gate stood. For this purpose, he chose Balin and Feely and Keeley, and with them went to Bilbo. Even the door itself has an earlier description that comes true. In the unexpected party, Gandalf guesses that the secret door can't be seen because it, quote, has been made to look exactly like the side of the mountain. That is the usual dwarves' method. The doorstep of the mountain has, quote, at its inner end a flat wall. That is, quote, as smooth and upright as Mason's work, but without a joint or crevice to be seen. Yet they did not doubt that they had found the door at last. And lastly, at least from chapter 1, do you remember the overall thesis statement from the book? Quote, this is a story of how a Baggins had an adventure and found himself doing and saying things altogether unexpected. Well, in this chapter, we have at least two occurrences of Bilbo saying and doing unexpected things. The first is after they have established a base camp near the mountain and all the dwarves are feeling gloomy, that Bilbo again takes the leadership role. Quote, None of them had much spirit left. Now strange to say, Mr. Baggins had more than the others. It was he that made the dwarves begin the dangerous search for the secret door. This is strange because you would expect the dwarves to be highly motivated to continue the quest. Now that they had arrived in their stolen homeland, and even more strange, Bilbo knows that as soon as the door is open, he'll be sent in as a burglar to pilfer something from the dragon. Why would he encourage them on the next step of the quest? Yet he does so. And again, he does another surprising thing. As he and Keeley and Feely are searching for a way up, Bilbo, quote, unexpectedly found what they were seeking. He came on what looked like rough steps going upwards. These steps lead to a path up the slopes, eventually to the doorstep of the secret door. These two examples emphasize for us the crucial role that Bilbo has in this company. Not only has he saved the dwarves from countless perils, but he unexpectedly becomes the leader who continues to rally the dwarves and encourage them on their quest. But the first chapter of The Hobbit isn't the only chapter that gets a cameo here on the slopes of the Lonely Mountain. Chapter 3, A Short Rest, is also referred to a number of times. That chapter, 
if you need a refresher, is when Gandalf, Bilbo, and the dwarves arrive in Rivendale, and Master Elrond is able to discern moon runes that were hidden on the map. Let's review the message that the moon letters revealed. The map provided by Gandalf describes a hidden door and the dimensions of a passageway into the mountain with a general location. But it's the moon letters that reveal how the door is to open. Quote, Stand by the gray stone when the thrush knocks, and the setting sun with the last light of Durin's day will shine upon the keyhole. At the end of that reading, the dwarves only picked up on one clue of the riddle, Durin's day. They were able to have a general guess as to the time when Durin's day would happen, but they completely forgot the rest of the clues in the riddle. Even while on the doorstep, the dwarves are so short-sighted that, quote, they were too eager to trouble about the runes or moon letters, but tried without resting to discover where exactly in the smooth face of the rock the door was hidden. But not Bilbo. He has already demonstrated his skill in deciphering riddles and puzzles, and he ponders over the message again and again, especially while he sits and rests, unlike the restless dwarves who can only react to the situation without taking a break to think. Bilbo is the one who figures out the message and finds the keyhole. As the sun and moon are in the sky, a thrush suddenly starts knocking a snail against the mountain face. Quote, suddenly Bilbo understood. He calls the dwarves to the door, then stands, quote, by the gray stone until the keyhole is revealed. Now, Tolkien doesn't explain the magic or spell or whatever the reason is that the map maker knew that a thrush would knock on the wall at that particular place on that particular day at that particular time. Perhaps one of the Valar, the powers that govern Middle-earth, inspired that little thrush? Or perhaps it was mere chance, which is another consistent and abiding theme in Tolkien's works, especially The Hobbit. At any rate, they are able to open the secret door and gain access to the mountain, all thanks to the riddle that was revealed in the book's third chapter. But we can look at these events slightly differently and with a little perspective, like standing by the gray stone at exactly the right spot and exactly the right time. We can see a deeper moment happening in this chapter, a moment of you catastrophe. We'll get to that right after this break. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. You can be the hero of your own Marvel Comics adventure. Marvel Strike Force is an extraordinary mobile game, a haven for comic book enthusiasts and gamers alike. Lead your own fellowship of heroes and villains to battle against the forces of darkness that threaten the very fabric of the universe. From the menacing Doctor Doom to the formidable Apocalypse, every battle is a chance to prove your mettle. And right now, Marvel Strike Force is commemorating its six-year anniversary. That means free rewards await those who heed the call and sign up today. With weekly events and bonuses, this anniversary celebration promises a treasure trove of special rewards. Rally your allies, sharpen your blades, and dive into the action of Marvel Strike Force today. Use code MAXPOOL to unlock free new treasures. That's code MAXPOOL, all one word, on the mobile game Marvel Strike Force. Now, back to wandering. Tolkien coined the term eucatastrophe. It means the good catastrophe, quote, the sudden joyous turn. It is a sudden and miraculous grace. 
You often see you catastrophic moments when the outlook is bleakest for our heroes, when all hope seems lost and the only outcome seems to be failure and sorrow. This chapter has a wonderful example of you catastrophe, and I can use a touch of math to prove it. In this chapter, the story hinges on the emotional state of Bilbo and the dwarves, and that emotional state is often reflected in their physical surroundings or the direction of their movements. Specifically, if you look for words like up, down, rose, fell, upwards, sink, drip, and lowest, you will find nearly 40 such words. What's more, if you count them, you'll find that about a third of them are positive, like up, and the other two-thirds are negative, like down. Now, let's assume that at the beginning of the chapter, now let's assume that at the beginning of the chapter, the company is at a baseline neutral state. And let's assign that baseline the numerical value of zero. In the first line of the chapter, we read that, quote, they rode right up the long lake. That's one positive occurrence, putting the emotional state at positive one. I'm sad to say, that this moment is the peak of the positivity. Yes, it's in the first line of the chapter. Nearly everything else goes down from here, with one notable exception, which we'll get to. What follows this high point are five downwards pointing words. Down, fell, twice, downwards, and sink. That leaves the emotional state of the chapter at negative four. For the next dozen or so references, there's one up and one down, dipping into negative 5, but basically ending at negative 4 again. What happens next is a sudden rise of straight positive words that take us from negative 4 right up to negative 1, close but not quite to the baseline emotional state. What event in the chapter was the sudden rise in excitement? Despite the oppressive silence above the space called the doorstep, the time corresponds with the finding of the doorstep, or as Tolkien wrote, quote, their spirits had risen a little at the discovery of the path. Indeed, this is the second highest point of the chapter, albeit it's a negative four, but things are about to get worse. Quote, but now their spirits sink into their boots. What follows is a cascade of negative words that plummets the emotional state from negative one to negative eight, the low points of the chapter. And indeed, as if Tolkien intuitively knew this, the event at this point in the chapter is that the last light of Durin's day is fading, and they have yet to find the keyhole. Indeed, the dwarves think that they have failed. Quote, their hope was at its lowest. The word choice leading up to this moment paints their perceived failure with such a sorrowful light. 32 directional words, from up to down, have led to this moment. From the high point of the chapter, the emotional status plummeted to negative 8 the absolute worst it has ever been or ever will be. For this chapter, at least. But this is the moment of you catastrophe. The light is fading, sorrow is deepening, quote, Then suddenly, when their hope was lowest, a red ray of sun escaped like a finger through a rent in the cloud. Just when things seem darkest, and the light is literally failing, a sudden turning to joy happens. The small gleam of light reveals the keyhole. Bilbo calls for Thorin, who inserts the key. The door, quote, slowly, without a sound, swings inwards. Yes, the dwarves still have hope of achieving their quest. But the story isn't over yet. Even with this sudden, joyous turn, if we plot the directional words again, we pop back up from negative eight to negative six. Even then, 
the last lines of the chapter pull us back down and leave us at negative eight. Quote, it seemed as if darkness flowed out like a vapor from the hole in the mountainside, and deep darkness in which nothing could be seen lay before their eyes, a yawning mouth leading in and down. I think it was a deliberate choice on Tolkien's part, a masterful choice, for the last word of this chapter to be down. Opening the door was only the next step, a journey down into the dark to confront an unknown and dangerous creature is about to begin. Get ready to dive deeper into the enchanting world of the Hobbit saga as we venture into our next episode. Join me as we embark on an exhilarating exploration, comparing this captivating chapter to its stunning on-screen adaptation in Peter Jackson's second Hobbit movie. Tune in and immerse yourself in the magic. Thank you for embarking on this extraordinary adventure through Middle-earth by my side. Together, we've uncovered callbacks from previous chapters and used math to explore Eucatastrophe. Keep your spirit of exploration alive as we prepare for the next leg of our fantastical journey. Stay tuned, for even greater marvels await us in the realms ahead. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.